teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Let's go to the the book of Genesis, the 22nd chapter. Got so much stirring around on the inside. And uh, we just want to say we're believing God for utterance to get it out. Are you believing with us? We don't want to just speak. We want utterance to be given. Amen. We found um, last two services we've been teaching on El Shaddai and Jehovah Jireh. And, uh, you know, we're going to get back into that again today. It just seems like it's, it's needing to be worked with for a while. Just working with it, working with it. Now, uh, what happens is, you know, a lot of times people are needing help in this area. A lot of times more need in this area than there are in other areas. We all have different th- things that we are needing help in. But, um, and the Word has help for all of us in all areas. But this area is an area that just seems like because, because it's, a, it's an area of faith that the Bible says when it comes to finances I'm talking about in our lives, walking in, walking in the increase that God has for our lives. It seems like this area, because it comes through the hands of men to get to us, because it's not going to rain out of the sky. See, God's not a counterfeiter. You know, he said, oh, pour out blessings. There's not room enough to receive. That's not talking about $100 bills floating out of the skies. He's talking about the anointing. He's talking about the wisdom, the favor, you know, all those kinds of the intangible kinds of things that end up turning into financial increase. But yet, right on the other hand, it's not the material things themselves. And... Uh, and then the ministry of angels and the anointing of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit and, and faith in God and all these things, these are all uh, something that we use to receive what God has for us in the financial arena. Well, but the Bible says, and if you study this whole subject out completely, you'll find out that in Luke, for example, the sixth chapter, he said, Give, and it'll be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Now get this, shall men give into your bosom? In other words, God's not going to rain it out of the sky. It's already down here on this earth. What you need financially is already down here on this earth. God made this earth wealthy when He created it. I said He made it very wealthy. He put oil and silver and gold and diamonds and rubies and sapphires and all the treasures and all the lumber we need to build houses and all this, the stuff that He put here. It's all put here for man. And He put it here before man got here. He created it all and then He put man here because He was creating man a luxurious place to live because His plan is that man live good. Amen. The good life. Having all sufficiency in all things at all times and able to give and bless and, and just have the abundance that we need to live, live, live successfully. Remember, He said He gives us richly all things to enjoy. So don't get upset at somebody who gets upset at you because you're enjoying something. Just know that, that they haven't got their mind renewed yet to the fact God wants us to enjoy things. I'm not talking about covetousness. I'm not talking about being proud over what God's done for us. You know, you're doing it God's way. Uh, There's no really pride in it because you didn't do it. It was God that did it. But I'm not talking about all those heart, you know, covetous things and all that. I'm just talking about having what God's provided, just receiving it and being so free from it that if God says to do something with it, you give it away or do whatever with it. You know, it's not, it's not like you're, you're setting your heart on it as the very main reason you go to work and so forth and so on. No, it's, money's not the main issue in life, but it sure does uh, make life better to have a bunch. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes people say, well, money can't make you happy. Well, it sounds good, and there's a truth to what they're saying. Don't misunderstand me. I understand the truth they're saying. However, my first thought has always been, well, being broke doesn't make you happy either. What are you trying to say? What are you implying here? Amen. I'm not implying whenever I say, when you say money can't make you happy, I'm not talking about when I say God wants you to have things. I'm not saying that's our source of joy, our source of happiness. But the Bible makes clear over in the book of Psalms in one place, it says, happy are the people that are in such a case where their sheep and flocks are multiplying and they're, they're dwelling in good houses and so forth and so on. I mean, you've got to watch religious jargon and not, not try to imply something that the Bible doesn't actually say. Besides that, it gives us richly all things to in joy, joy, enjoy. Then he said, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no So what are you trying to say? Money can't make you happy. What are you trying to say? 
I understand if that's your only reason for living and you think if I get more money, I'll be happy. That's never going to satisfy you. I understand that. You can't just be living for money and making it, you know, a bigger house, a bigger boat or whatever. And and, and that's what my joy will be in having that. No, that's not going to make you happy. Um, We understand what people are trying to say when they say that. But you've got to be careful about what you say. You know, actually, the Bible, in that verse, I, I don't remember right now where it is. I believe it's in Psalm 138, but I could be wrong, where he said, happy, whose people, happy are the people that are in such a case, talking about their sheep multiplying. Uh, it's in my book. You can go get the book. But, um, uh, uh, and then it says, happy is the people that are in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Now, there's the key. If Jesus is your Lord, then you're free from money. But guess what? He will bring the supply and have, you'll have everything you need, but you're not attached to it. You're attached to and loyal to and, and always obedient to Jesus, not the money. And you're free from the money because He's your Lord. How many of you know if Jesus is your Lord, then whenever He says something, you do it regardless of what it costs. And you don't do what money always tells you to do. You do what Jesus tells you to do. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's just better for it to be that way where, where you obey Him and then let Him bring it in. That way it wasn't covetousness that got it. It was just obe- the willing and the obedient to eat the good of the land. It was you and your willingness and obedience to God doing what He told you to do. And, and you'll eat the good of the land because He's supplying all your need according to His riches in glory. I did it already. I preached myself happy. But see, um, I've, I've needed more. I've, not, I've never really had the kind of unction and utterance here at Spirit of Faith that I, have, that I have known God wants to give in this area of finances. You ever notice we've never done that many series or anything on the subject? We'll hit it for a service or two. And I'm always hitting such, you know, I'm always hitting such, I guess it's religion or, or, or poverty thinking or something. I'm not sure. You know what I'm talking about? And people think, well, he's preaching that because he needs some. I, I actually don't need anything. The church is doing fine. I mean, the offering's already been received. And... You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's just that God, would you let God help you if he wanted to help you? See, people struggle and they cry, oh, God, this is hard. And then, and then somebody preaches on it and they go, and they get, see, well, he's trying to help. See, we get defensive on things that we're not free from. We get defensive when somebody starts talking about it. Amen. Well, just ask, is it in the Word? Or is it just something that I'm protecting over here because, you know, this is my pet project or my, you know. I was praying about somebody that that, that their son recently, and and they're not living here in Cedar Rapids, not somebody that that lives around town. But their son needs healing. And uh, because of some things that happened, accident and so forth, their son needs some, some help and uh, ministering. God has help. How many of you know he restores the, la- the maimed and the, and the wounded and so forth and so on? But uh, I was praying for him, and the Lord said, um, if, if, he said, even if I, uh, I, I'm trying to remember exactly how he said it. I'm, I'm not getting exactly right now how he said it, but something to this effect. Even if I did it sovereignly through a manifestation of the Spirit right now, it would mess them all up and make them mad. I said, Lord, why? It seems, you know, you see, you think about that and it's strange. Why would somebody whose son needs healing get mad if, they, if the son was healed? He said, because they have built up this, and they, they, and they, they're, they're a famous person and they can tell everybody, they write books and things and they tell all these people all these things about the, the way suffering comes to help you mature and grow and all that. And, and, they, and, and, and all that that they said, they would have to take back and change. And they've built all this up. You know, religious ideas. There's some things. Here's the point. There's something God wants to do, but He can't because we would all get, not, not hopefully me or hopefully you, but some people would get all, Ugh. remember that boy that was healed? Brother Dr. Dufresne talks about that young boy when he was back in the, in the church that he first went to. It was, he got a new hip. Remember that? And everybody got mad, including the parents got mad. Well, see, it messed up their doctrine. They have a suffering doctrine, and they make a lot of money preaching suffering doctrine. <laughs> See, I just tell it like it is. Some people don't like that, but aren't we supposed to suffer? Not with what he suffered for us. 
There is suffering. There is persecution. There is, you know, being uh, falsely accused for the gospel's sake. There's a lot of kind of things you've got to go through to, to serve God. But it's not with sickness and disease or a tornado blowing your house over or, you know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. But uh, did I tell you to go to Genesis 22? You would let the Lord help you if he wanted to? Amen. Now, sometimes the reason that uh, we get stuck in errors is because whenever truth comes, we, we balk at it. We start getting offended for the word's sake. But we're, we're learning not to do that. Is that right? So let's learn not to do what we've been doing because it hadn't been working for us. <laughs> the Lord said that to me one time. Your way's not working for you, is it? I was like, mm, no. Honest opinion here. Honest, honest answer. Um, all right, Genesis chapter 22. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him. Notice, he tempted him, and that means tested or tried him. In other words, he, he, put him, he run, run, ran him through the paces to see what he was made of. And uh, the word tempt means tested or tried. And notice he didn't do it with a tornado. He did it by saying something to him. You've got to keep that straight. People see that and they say, well, God's tempting me, you know. My, my, this, this person died and, I'm, I'm, you know, all this trouble's going on. Well, <clears throat> it wasn't God that did all that. Now, um, his word is standing by when his word is preached like Sunday morning or in services or we hear the word. That's, that, then we're going to be tested on that. God's going to see if we're going to live by that rather than the way we think. And said unto him, Abram, and he said, Here am I. And then, and then he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there a burnt offering. And you remember the story. Without going into the whole story, uh, eventually Isaac said, We have the wood, we have everything, we have the fire, but where's the offering? And remember down in verse 8, he said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. Abraham told, told Isaac, God will provide. God will provide. God will provide. Hallelujah. Amen. And... Um, Notice verse 5, Abraham said, on the third, let's go back to verse 4. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place far off, in other words, where they were supposed to go. Abraham said unto him, thy, uh, said unto the young man, Abide ye here with the ass, and I, w- I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Notice, I and the lad, I and Isaac, both of us, are going to go and we're going to worship, and I and the lad are going to come back. You stay here, we'll be back. Both of us, Isaac and me, will come back. Now, you read the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and I forget the verse, but it's right in there at the end of the chapter, close, well, the middle of the chapter. It says, well, I think it's verse 19 now that I think about it. Uh, sometimes you're preaching and things come up out of your spirit. Check me out, see if I'm right. Just test, test myself, see if I'm sensitive here this morning. I could have missed it, but I, but I'm, so 11, is it verse number 19? Yep. I like to test myself. <laughs> Anyway, some of you looked at me funny. You ought to do tests on, okay, was that God? I'm going to test that out, see if that was God. You ought to do tests. See, while I was preaching, that just came up. Hallelujah. So that's the way you ought to live. That's the way I got my miracle this week. I went to business number one. Nope. The Lord said it's not there. It's down at this one. So I went to a different one than he said. Wasn't that smart? No. Well, first I went to, the, went to the business that said, the Lord, the Lord said, that's where it is. And they said, we can't help you. Well, I said, well, Lord, that's what you said. That's where you said it was. So I went to another one. Now we can't help you. Went to the third one. They, we can't help you. I said, well, Lord, he said, it's where I told you it was. I said, Lord, they said no. He said, talk, talk to somebody else. I talked to somebody else. Sure, we'd be glad to. See, that's the key to getting into these things, being led by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. In business, Sili, Bongli, Didi, Kusha, Kande, Lide, Kede, follow the Holy Spirit, and He'll lead you into even better things than you would give yourself. <laughs> I'm drunk. Anyway, Hebrews, I mean, uh, 11th chapter, the 19th verse, says Abraham, uh, talking about he, he uh, obeyed and took Isaac, you know, and then he count, counted him, how does it say it there? He accounted that God was going to raise him from the dead. Isn't that what it says? 
<clears throat> See, that's what Abraham believed. He said, well, if I'm supposed to offer him, God's going to raise him from the dead because he's not taking something from me that he gave me. Because God had promised him a son, Isaac. <clears throat> God's not trying to take something that he gave you. Maybe God blessed you with a house or blessed you with something, and then the bank wants to take it away. You say, no, no, God, this ain't God right here. Amen. So he said, uh, I am the lad, back in Genesis, we're going to come again. We're going to go worship, and we're going to come again. And, of course, then God said to, uh, or Abram said to, the, to Isaac, verse 8, God will provide himself a lamb. In other words, we're going to worship, but it's not going to be over my son's dead body. It's going to be a lamb. And sure enough, God got up there. I mean, uh, Abraham got up there, and uh, he's about ready to offer Isaac, and the angel stopped him. Remember that? And then the Bible says in verse 13, Abram looked up, or lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abram called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Other translations say that differently. They say uh, there is vision. One translation says in the mount of the Lord there is vision. Um, another translation says, um, provision shall be made. In other words, that's what Jehovah Jireh means, the Lord who sees and provides. In other words, he sees the need. Actually, he sees it ahead of time. That ram was provided ahead of time. God was ahead of him. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about God who sees ahead and provides. That's what he did when he created man. He didn't make man put lungs in him and breathe the breath of life into him and then say, whoops, I put my breath in him, but I didn't have enough oxygen here or nitrogen to, for him to live. I got to make oxygen and air and not, you know. No, he had that all provided. Everything was perfect. Everything was provided. There was no lack. There was, there was a garden. There was, everything grew on its own. It was full provision. And then God put Abraham right in the, I mean, excuse me, Adam right in the middle of all that. And that's who we serve today. He hasn't changed. Praise God. He's, he's Jehovah Jireh. He's also El Shaddai. We talked about him last week as El Shaddai a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, remember in John, the Bible talks about, I'm just going to go through a few verses that show you this in different ways. John 14, 1 through, uh, excuse me, 14, 2 through 3. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. You remember that? If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Ooh, glory to God. God's already ahead of us in this life. He's already got a place for us. Now, the word mansions, people read that and they think uh, efficiency, apartments, apartments. I've heard people say that. I've heard people say that. Yeah. That's because of their thinking. The word mansion comes from the old English word manor. You ought to look up what manor, manor means. It means a landed estate. Landed estate. Whoo, God knows how much I like land. <laughs> In my Father's house are many landed estates. In other words, you're going, to need to, you're going to need to be translated to get to my house. It's going to be so big. I'll say, come over for supper tonight, and you'll say, I'll have to be translated because I can't get there in one day. <laughs> Got to drive through miles and miles of cows and horses and lakes and fish and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> in my father's house are many mansions. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Hallelujah. He's already ahead of us. He's already prepared. He's the God of, well, he's Jehovah Jireh. Praise God. Now, I believe also that place is the place that we call today in Christ. He's already given us a place called in Christ. Amen. And we're in that place today. And in Christ, all the realities of what we have in Christ is what he went to prepare. We're blessed in Christ. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. We're healed in Christ. He's delivered us from the curse of the law in Christ. And you could go on and on, but we won't go down that road today. Second, uh, the, the second one I want you to see is 1 Corinthians 2, 9. You don't have to turn to these if you don't want. But uh, we read this one, I believe it was last Sunday, at least Wednesday if it wasn't last, last Sunday. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says that uh, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither entered into the heart of man things that God has prepared for them that love Him has already prepared for them that love Him. Now, it looks like we don't know. You know, people go, oh, we just don't know. We just... Well, read the next verse. 
But God hath revealed, verse 10, God hath revealed them unto us, how? By the Spirit. See, your mind's never going to grapple and get a hold of this. It's going to have to come by revelation of the Holy Ghost. Hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Now, what is that that He's revealed? Notice verse 9 again. The things, the Amplified, or King James says, the things that God's prepared for them that love Him. Now, the Amplified says, things He's made and keeps ready. That reminds me. When I, I read that, I thought about when I was growing up on the farm, mom would make br- uh, whatever. Br- usually, uh, if we were late for anything, we were late for lunch, or, or we, we called it uh, supper. Yeah. We called it dinner and supper. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you can tell what, who are country folk and who are city folk, but what they call, what they call the last meal of the day. Is it dinner or is it supper? <laughs> I've since become sophisticated, and I, we eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> but I grew up, it was breakfast, dinner, and supper. Hallelujah. Well, whatever it is, it's just the main thing is that we get our food. How many of you are with me on that? <laughs> but so we, we see here, uh, <laughs> my mom, she would make lunch, and uh, we would, we would, sometimes we'd be in the fields working, and we'd, ha- we'd be late. You know, we couldn't get there because there's certain things, especially if you're bringing in the crops, and rain's coming or something. Certainly, you just got to do to, you just eat the sandwich on the tractor or something, you know. But anyway, there were times we were late getting into the house, if we were eating in the house, and, uh, and she'd keep it ready. What does that mean? She, she'd keep it warm so that whenever we got there, it was ready for us. Well, notice God has made things He's prepared and keeps ready. He's made things for us and prepared them for us. Hallelujah. Now, what are those things? Well, they're the things that belong to us in Christ. Notice there are things that aren't in this material realm. The things that God has made. That's just nothing. That's, that, that's not just nothing. That's not just theories or, you know, empty promises or something like that. There are literally things in the spirit realm. Spiritual things. Think about what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, what is it, verse 16 or 17, 18, down and through there. We look not at the things which are seen, verse 18. We look not at the things which are seen, things which are seen, things which are seen, things which are seen, things. But at the things which are not seen, things, substances, things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. Well, you could run down that for a long time and get a lot of blessing out of that. Remember what the Bible said? Jesus said, all things that the Father hath are mine. All things that the Father hath are mine. Things. There are things. There are things. There are substances. There are blessings. There are materialities. There are anointings. There are... There are angels, there are beings and things and creatures and creations and that are seen and unseen, visible and invisible. Praise God. Now go back to the book of uh, Genesis and notice, no, actually it's the book of Exodus. Notice the 33rd chapter. We're going to try to run through this as quickly as possible, but not, not, uh, not override what the Holy Ghost wants to say here about it. I want you to see the Genesis, I keep saying Genesis, Exodus, 33rd chapter. Notice what happened to uh, Moses. Remember, God said He was going to show Moses His glory. Now, notice here what it says. We'll read verse number 19. Uh, let's go to verse 18. He said, I beseech thee, this is Moses talking to God, I beseech thee, show me your glory. Now, notice what God said when He said, show me your glory. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. Thou canst not see my face, no man shall see me and live, and so forth and so on. He put him in the cleft of the rock. You remember that? In other words, this is going to be so glorious and so powerful, my goodness. He said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. He says, "Going to be my goodness is so powerful, you can't handle it all. 
Well, in the New Testament, he said, I have not seen you, have not heard. You can't handle it with your natural mind and your natural eyes and ears. It's going to have to be revealed by, by the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to make all my goodness. You can't handle it, so I'm going to protect you from some of it. Now notice down here in verse, this is the 34th chapter now, verse 5. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood before him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord said, or the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands and so forth and so on. And he, he proclaims who he is. Notice God wanted, uh, Moses wanted to see his glory and he said, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you. Well, there's a whole lot. We could take a whole three-week three series and do talk about the glory. But really, the glory is not just the cloud. We know, we know there is such a thing as the glory cloud. We know uh, sometimes we've seen it. Uh, but it's not just a, a cloudy mist. It is the anointing and the presence of God. And it is not just that, but it is His attributes, qualities, and abilities. Which one of His qualities and attributes is His goodness. Amen. We could, go to, we could talk a lot about that, but here's what I wanted you to see. Go over to the book of Psalms now, and notice with me in the book of Psalms to the uh, 31st chapter, because the Hebrew sages write about this that Moses saw. And I want you to see another passage of Scripture about it, and I want you to, to, to uh, have revelation into the spirit realm about this. I'm going to make all my goodness pass before thee. By the way, while you're turning to Psalm 31, notice there, he said, I'm going to make all my glory. Uh, I'm going to show you my glory, which is my goodness. Uh, um, and he said, uh, then when he came, in order to get it to manifest, he declared who he was. Do you know that who you are, in order to manifest it, you're going to have to start declaring it? Oh, I just feel so unworthy. That's because you're not declaring it. I mean, you're not declaring your right standing with God is what I mean. To get it to manifest. See, a lot of people, things aren't real to them because they don't ever talk about it. You need to always talk about His goodness and His supply, and it'll be more real to you, and it'll be in manifestation. Well, that's just all free. I could run down that rabbit trail too, and we'd have a good time. Remember? Remember he said in Philemon, he said, uh, communication of your faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ. You have to declare it before it becomes effectual. All right. Now, here in this book of Psalms, chapter number 31, notice with me in verse number 19. It says, Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. How great is thy goodness. Now, notice what he said. Which thou hast laid up. Where is it laid up? Chicago? Where is it? Where is it? It's in another realm. He's talking about actually, literally. Now, the Hebrew sages tell us this, that when Moses had this experience back in the book of, Je- uh, the, the book of Exodus, he saw not just the glory like a cloud, not just God's back parts, but the Hebrew sages write. Now, this isn't Scripture, but you can see evidence of it in the Scripture. We just read this. He's laid up his goodness for them that fear him, reverence him, serve him, so forth and so on. Hallelujah. And then we see, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. See, there's something that he keeps talking about. All that the Father hath is mine, therefore said I, he'll take of mine and show it all unto you. Amen. All things are mine, Jesus said. They're visible and invisible. So, what is this? The Hebrew sages tell us that when Moses asked God to show him his glory, God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And the Hebrew sages say that actually in more detail, God said, the time has come to show you how much of the divine goodness as much as you can comprehend. Well, we see that in the Scriptures. God said, hide here in this rock because there's only so much you can handle. Amen. I'm going to make as much as you can comprehend pass before you. Then the Hebrew sages say Moses saw, or God showed Moses, all the treasures of reward stored up for the righteous. Moses asked, he saw a large unlabeled storehouse 
When he asked for whom it was stored, the Lord told him that it was reserved for those who did not have merit on their own. It was, tra- it was a treasury of grace, undeserved favor, for those who didn't deserve it. That's how good God is. A large, unlabeled storehouse. Whoo, glory to God. You've heard people that had experiences. You don't base doctrine on, ex- on experiences, but you can see there's something here God's trying to show us. That they've gone to heaven and they said they saw... They saw a room with just body parts in it. You've heard stories like that, haven't you? See, God has stored up everything you need. He's prepared it ahead of time. I was in a meeting in Illinois one time ministering, and all of a sudden, I, I got a word of knowledge, actually. Somebody here, and it was a strange word of knowledge to me. I didn't, at the time, I didn't understand the terminology. It seemed, seemed like, I, I must not be hearing from God. I've never heard this, but the word of knowledge came in enlarged heart, enlarged organ, and it was a heart. Somebody had an enlarged heart. I didn't even know somebody's heart could be enlarged, but I found out later that stress and so forth can make that happen. Anyway, so um, I called it out, and somebody came forward. I stepped up to minister to this lady, and all of a sudden the Lord said, don't, don't, don't touch her. And I stepped back, and the, an angel stepped up with a heart in his hand and put a heart in her. And she went back to the doctor and had a brand new heart. Where'd that come from? Didn't come from the hospital down the street. You understand what I'm talking about? There was no donor there that day. Where'd that come from? I believe it came from that storehouse. God's got legs, fingers, livers, kidneys, toes, arms. He's got, he's got spare parts. He's got plenty. And he's even got it with the right length for the other, to match the other one. The right color skin, the right length of fingers. Everything you need, everything you need, God's got it. My goodness, why wouldn't you want to serve Him? Everything you need. But not just in that area, financially as well. <laughs> now, He's not going to rain it out of the sky, but He's going to move on people with angels, and He's going he's to supply with, with those kinds of things. Glory be to God. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to shout over that. Now go to John chapter number 12. There's so much we could say, but we're just hitting the things that are strongest on my heart here. John chapter 12 is an example. If you read Jesus, the story of the Gospels and how Jesus was taken care of in all arenas, he was protected. When they wanted to kill him, he just walked right through them. Remember that? There was, there was so much that, that uh, was provided to Jesus while he was on this earth. But, and, and you're going to the 12th chapter. Did I say the 12th chapter? John 12. But, uh, and people see that whenever he needed tax money, it was provided when he needed a donkey for, uh, you know, riding into the, the triumphal entry into, the, into Jerusalem like was prophesied. Uh, he said, go over there. It's right over there. You'll meet a man and he'll be tied and you'll be unloosing it. And he'll say, well, you know, if he says, well, where are you taking it? Just say, the Lord hath need of him. And he'll say, okay, go ahead. Right. You know, that was all prepared. That was, that was ahead of time, God was pre- preparing things for Jesus. When he needed, uh, you know, a tomb to stay in for three days, his body at least, then uh, he had that. Hallelujah. He had everything he needed. Praise God. Then, um, here's a case in the 12th chapter that I like, actually, because it speaks volumes to me. It just it has, it gives me insight into how God does things. John chapter 12, let's notice verse number, well, let's see here, verse number 7. Well, you know the story with the context. I'll just tell you, this is when that lady anointed Jesus' feet with that perfume, a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, you know, and wiped his feet with her hair. House was filled with the odor. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, verse number 4, why was this ointment not sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? That's about a year's wages. 300 pence looks like 300 pennies to us, but that's not what that's talking about. It's about worth the year's wages. He said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Don't you like the Bible? God just tells you like it is. Look at verse 7. Let Jesus said, answered and said, let her alone. Boy, I'd like to tell some folks that. Let her alone. In other words, what business is this to you? Let her alone against the day of my burying hath she, notice, kept this. 
The poor you have always with you, uh, but me you have not always. Amen. In other words, anytime you want to do something for the poor, Judas, you can do it. That wasn't his motive, though. How many of you know Jesus just hit the nail right on the head right there? Well, let's get something else out of this while we're reading this. Before we go back to verse 7. He said, the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. People have said for years, you know, Jesus was poor. He didn't have any place to lay his head. The foxes have holes, the birds have the nest, but Jesus was poor. He didn't have anywhere to lay his head. Well, and then they say Jesus didn't have anything. And other people say Jesus was rich, you know, and had all these things. Well, um, who's right? We've got to figure out who's right. Was he poor or was he not poor? If I needed to, if, if, if me and my wife were arguing about how much Carlos and Ann are worth. See, we're back and forth, but we don't know the answer because we don't have any, any knowledge of their finances. You understand what I'm talking about? But if we ask them, they'd tell us. Well, they might not. It's not my business, but, but my point is... If, if we're arguing about whether Jesus had a lot or if he didn't have anything, we don't know for sure unless we find something in the Word or unless Jesus says something. Like if we went to them, if they told us, then we'd know. Isn't that right? Well, was Jesus poor or was he, did he have what he needed and have a full supply? Well, let's ask Jesus. Verse 8, the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. In other words, I ain't poor. I ain't poor. You could go through his life and find out, yes, he came up to needs, just like all of us come up to needs. He's tempted in all points like as we are. But he always had to, he always tapped into the supply supernaturally. If a storm came up, peace be still. If he needed tax money, go down there and get the fish and pull it out of his mouth. There, yes, he came up to needs, but see, that's not poor whenever you have a need. It's poor when you don't have a supply to meet that need. And Jesus was always tapping into his supply, tapping into his supply. They, the soldiers gambled for his garment. He had a nice garment on whenever they crucified him. They said it was one continuous thread. Yeah. Even today, that's an expensive garment. And besides that, you read through there, he had plenty of places to lay his head. He was just saying, I'm not going to the same place home every night. Jesus didn't have a house. Well, you'd have to contradict the word to say that. Jesus, at one point, they asked, John's disciples came over to, from John and came to Jesus and said, Master, where dwellest thou? And he said, well, come and see. In other words, here's where I'm, I'm staying over here. He had a place. He had a house. Amen. We could go, we could spend a whole service on that. But anyway, amen. But let's back up to verse 7. Let her alone against the day of my bearing hath she kept this. Now, notice this is the uh, King James, but the Amplified is really good. You got your shouting clothes on? It, the Amplified says, It was intended that she should keep it for the time of my preparation for burial. She hath kept it that she might have it for the time of my embalming. Notice, she hath kept it that she might have it for a certain purpose. In other words, God was leading people all through Jesus' life to bring a supply to His life. And this lady, he led her to hold on to this for some reason. Maybe she didn't even know why. But eventually the reason was is because Jesus, in order to fulfill Scripture, needed to be anointed with that perfume. And she, whenever it came into that time, she knew, must have been known by the Spirit, this is what this is for, and used it for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, somebody said, that's Jesus. Isn't it wonderful how God took care of Jesus? Okay, go to the 17th chapter of John. Let's go over here. Hallelujah. Verse 23 of 17th chapter of John. John 17, 23. I in them, thou in me. This is Jesus' last prayer, you know, before he went to heaven. He's praying for us. Many things he prayed, but we'll just jump in the middle of it here. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world, uh, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Jesus prayed, oh, Father, help them to see you love them just as much as you love me. How many of you know love will help, love will supply, and love will bring blessing, and love will do? Amen. Praise God. In other words, this isn't just the way God took care of Jesus. This is the way he takes care of everyone that 
that has come into the thing, come into God, come into Christ, He has a great, big, vast storehouse of supply for them. Glory be to God. God led her to hold on to it. Why? Because God saw ahead and made preparations for when Jesus would need it. I believe there are people right here, to, not, not right here per se, but, but uh, in, in present hour is what I'm talking about. In the present hour that I'm coming up to things I need and, and I'm going to bump into the person that has it. Because I'm on the path He's ordained for me. And on that path He's got these stocks of things that I need favor right here. Here's my favor person. Yeah, I believe that. Amen. You, uh, your wife gets pregnant and you have triplets? Need a bigger house. <laughs> Somebody said, don't speak that over me. I'm not trying to speak that over you. <laughs> Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're going to need a bigger place. You're going to need a, rather than a, a you know, a Toyota, whatever, Prius or whatever that thing is, you're going to need a van. You're going to need a... You're going to need more baby shoes. You're going to need more baby food. You're going to need more baby doctor's appointments. You're going to... I have a supply. I just saw a wife say, don't touch me, man. <laughs> Stay away from me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe God's already ahead of me, and He's making preparations for me, just like He made preparations through this lady for Jesus. God led her to hold on to it. Do you know, you need to be led because God wants to not only supply all your need, but He wants to use you to supply other people's need. When, when something's in your hands, you say, okay, this is the way I say it, just to make it quick and, you know, it speaks volumes to me. I say it this way, Lord, is this seed or is this feed? You know what I mean? Seed is something to plant. Feed is something to eat. Things come in, okay, uh, you know, what do we do with it? You know what I'm talking about? And we just live that way. Sometimes... I, I, I'm reluctant to share things because, you know, you think people are... I'm not trying to brag. I'm trying to brag on the Word. I'm trying to brag on how good God is. Amen. But the reason things... Like, for example, last Sunday, you blessed us with a, uh, pictures of presidents. We like those green pictures of presidents. But already, we've already designated almost half of it to, to give to somebody else. That's why it flows so free because, okay, Lord, what is this? This seed, this free. And we're just, we've just gotten to the point, is this, is this something for us? Is this harvest? Now, you've got to be led by that. A lot of people are holding on to things out of fear, not out of being led. But there are times that God will lead you to hold on to something. Amen. About six months ago, we started stocking up some money in an account. We didn't know exactly what it was all for. But, boom, here's the need. Here it was. Yeah. Amen. I mean, just led. And then we do that. We, we ask God, is this something you want us to give to somebody else? And you just get led in all these situations. Because I'm, I have a supply, but God wants me to be a supply to other people. So God led her to hold on to it. You can get led to hold on to things. I've, I've had many times where I've gone through the mall and, and just didn't have any unction to buy anything. I like, yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice, whatever, that's a nice shirt or whatever, but, man. I don't know why. I just don't want to buy it. It's not because I don't have the money. It's just, and, and sometimes I go through phases like that. Other times I'm buying like crazy. Not because of lust of the flesh. just like I have unction. <laughs> it's not because I always have a whole bunch of money extra for that. It's just sometimes I'm led and, and it always comes through. Usually within a day or two, it's just all, all returned back to me. You just have to be led because you're, you're becoming... You know you have a supply, but then you're also becoming a supply to somebody else. Now, the word kept here, the Amplified says, uh, I mean, the King James says she has kept it. And the Amplified does as well. Amen. She has kept it. The Amplified, uh, I mean, the, uh, the, the definition of kept means to guard from loss or injury, to detain in custody, to hold in reserve. So there are people that God is leading to, to hold something in reserve until I need it. Why are you coveting somebody? I didn't say that. I didn't say, I'm going to say, oh, won't you help me, won't you? No, no. See, well, Pastor, Pastor, what about the church? That's a different deal. That's all of our responsibility. But for me personally, you never hear me stand up and say, I really need a new suit. I really need something. For me personally, that's my business. 
The church is all of our business. Am I making any sense this morning? So in my personal life, I don't make any hints, but I just believe God's got somebody. Somebody's anointed to help me. You believe somebody's anointed to help you? See, don't take, don't take it like you, well, pastor, you're just looking for money all the time. Well, you need it too, so don't, don't look at me in that tone of voice. You come up to knees, God has a supply for you. And He's got people to bring them across your path. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's an easy flow. I said it's an easy flow. Hallelujah. Now, Deuteronomy 7.22, go over there and read, look at that with me. My goodness. I, I'm having a... I'm not getting out 10% of what I have to share. But we'll just keep on. That's the thing about pastoring I like. One of the things I like about it is just keep coming back. Deuteronomy chapter number uh, 7. Verse number 22. This is a verse I got a hold of years ago. This is God talking to the children of Israel. Remember, He gave them Canaan's land. But at the time, they were, didn't have enough people to populate the whole place. So they, were, they kept multiplying. Eventually, they populated it. But here's, here's what He said at the beginning. The Lord thy God shall put, will, will put out these nations before thee by little and little. Thou mayest not consume them all at once. Now, it wasn't because God didn't want them to have it all at once. Notice what he's trying to say at the end. Lest the beasts of the field increase upon thee. In other words, there's cities out there that, that are yours. But you don't have enough people to even live there. I mean, all, all the critters and everything that creeps and crawls and, you know, is going to come in and invade it because you can't occupy it all. So here's what he said. He said, I know it's yours. I gave it to you. But you're not at a place yet to, to occupy all of it. You take what you need. Take what you can use your faith for. But then... Um, the rest of it, I'm going to have somebody else take care of it until you get there. It's not theirs, but they're taking care of it for you. I believe there's an airplane out there right now. Somebody's, somebody's painting it. Somebody's putting new avionics in it. Keeping the tires fixed up. Why? Because the day's coming, I'm going to need it. What about you? See, you need to believe that about you. Somebody's living in your house right now, putting new paint on the walls. What color do you like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, God's got a place for you. They're putting a new roof on it. They're, they're treating the grass and getting the weeds out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Amen, amen. I'm about to run around this building. So, little by little, that's the beast of the field. So, no, according to your faith, you can possess things, but until that time, God's having somebody else take care of it. He'll let the world pay for it. Keep it up. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. He'll let them have it. Keep it up until I get there. They're holding on to it just for me. It's got my name on it. It's not really theirs. They think it's theirs, but it's just for me. It's intended for me. They're buying it, polishing it, adding an addition onto it. Making it nicer, updating it. Putting a security system on it. Just so they can give it to me. <laughs> See, he's God's way ahead of you. He's supplying for you everything you need. <laughs> God's already been there. He's already moving in situations. You don't even know you have the need yet. And yet he's already answering the prayer. You ever read that verse in Isaiah? You ever read that verse? You ought to read that verse. I'm going to find it real quickly. It talks about before you call, I'll answer. You ever read that? You ought, to, you ought to get a hold of that. Before you call, I'll answer. I believe it's Isaiah 66. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, God's way ahead of me. I don't know if somebody, some of you Bible scholars can give me the exact reference. I don't see it right. 65 what? 6524, before you call, I'll answer. In other words, I'm ahead of you. See, today you found out you had a need, but he said, I knew it a long time before you knew it. If we walk by faith, if we're obedient and, and, and walk with him, he'll, he'll be ahead of us and taking care of everything, especially if we're on the plan he has for our lives. I'm going to keep saying this until it gets sinks into some of you. It did not surprise God that you, you came up to a need. In fact, 
Remember, we, so on Wednesday night, we talked about God from the foundation of the world provided the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, prepared a plan for all of us. The way of redemption was planned out. And over, he did all that from the foundation of the world. Sin, I mean, God, God did not provide all that as a reaction to man's sin. He knew ahead of time man was going to mess up, and so he provided ahead of time. And, you know, God does not have to react to what the devil does in your life. He's not, he's not running around reacting to the devil. He's already laid up the supply because he knew the devil was going to do that. You know what I'm talking about? He's already got a plan. <laughs> I love that about God. Isn't that wonderful? So he said, before you call, I'll answer. Have you ever been in prayer? I've had this happen a number of times, a lot, lot of times, really. Been in prayer, and, and, and while I'm... You know, my own personal devotional time I'm talking about. I'm, 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 my, my heart keeps getting led onto a subject. I'm thinking, I don't know why God keeps talking to me about this. But it just keeps, he keeps talking to me and giving me light in this area. And I'm thinking, I, I, here's where I really would like to have some light right now. And he's talking to me about this. You ever had something like that happen? Then you get down the road about a month or two or three months, and all of a sudden, bam, yeah. something hits, and you need everything that he, just, that, that he said about three months ago. You ever had that happen? That's God answering before you even called. Yeah, he's already ahead of you. So that whenever you come up to the need, you don't have to scramble around and get some faith. Oh, I got to get some faith. Well, if you were obedient and followed the Holy Ghost, you know what I'm talking about. You see, we're not, we're not left to following the devil around with our faith cleaning up his messes. Can I just share and share? Come on now. I, I'm almost out of time, but let me, get, let me say something here. Faith in Jehovah Jireh will keep you ahead of the devil, actually. We're not, uh, we're not, you know, following around behind the devil. We're redeemed from being behind. The Bible says we're the head, not the tail. The head is in front. The head is directing. The head is making decisions. The tail is behind. And it's reacting and it's following. You're not called to follow behind the devil's activity and react to it. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Jehovah Jireh who lives on the inside of you, will keep you ahead of the whole thing and direct everything and make decisions and not be behind the devil following. So if you work with Jehovah Jireh, you get your faith out even ahead of anything you need. Can you say amen? dominating, directing, not responding and following. Hallelujah. Our faith is in front of our need. Keep your faith out in front of your need because Jesus and God and God Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, is, is, you're, He's out there as much in the future as He is in the present. And if you'll, if you'll exercise faith in Jehovah Jireh, your faith will work, him, work with Him out in the future getting things ready for you. You can begin to say, I, well, you might sense in your heart you have something that God's going to have you do. Let's just say it's ministry. That's just one thing. It could be a lot of different things. But if it's ministry, you can begin to say, I'll have a supply for every stage. I'll have a supply for every step. Whenever it's time to go full time and it's time to quit my job, the Lord will supply that need. And you begin keep your faith ahead. Work with Jehovah Jireh in your future as much as in your present. Amen. Hallelujah. See, your future is just as redeemed as your present is redeemed. You ever thought about that? The woman with the issue of blood did it. She said, if I touch but the hem of his garment, I shall behold. In other words, behold. She established in the future how it's going to be. This is what's going to happen. She started saying what's going to happen. What's going to happen in her future. I'm going to get there. When I get there, I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. And this is what's going to happen. Her faith got in front of the power of God. A lot of people want to bring their faith behind the power of God. When the power manifests and whenever the pain leaves my body, I'll declare some things. Doesn't work that way. I said it doesn't work that way. You have to get your faith in front of God. I announce ahead of time how it's going to be. You're God's prelude. You're the prelude to God's power. What's a prelude? Da, 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 da. Here comes the power. Here comes the power. You're telling the whole world. Just watch, 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 watch. Watch what's going to happen. Watch what's going to happen. Watch, 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 watch. Watch what's going to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen. See, you're already declaring it ahead of time. Hallelujah. Now, I, uh, Romans, the 8th chapter, verse number 17. In fact, go over there. I'm having too much fun to... to oh, my goodness. Y'all are hungry this morning, I can tell. You're really... Good utterance here. 
Romans, the eighth chapter. Notice what verse number 16 says. The Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And, a lot of times we miss that and. And, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified together. There are things you're going to go through down here. But actually, he's already made the supply for all that. (laughs) Now, he said, the Spirit bears witness that we're the children of God and. In other words, and he bears witness that if you're a child, you're an heir. In other words, he's going to bear witness to your inheritance. Do you see that? It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jehovah Jireh, in fact, to lead you right into your inheritance. God's provision for your life. Everything that He's laid up, the Holy Spirit will lead you right into it. The Holy Spirit's ministry, this is one of the keys to working with Jehovah Jireh. I'm a little ahead of myself here, but this is going to be good for finishing this up today. One of the keys to working with Jehovah Jireh is to be led by the Spirit because He knows where your supply is. The Bible in the Old Testament talks about there are hidden treasures of riches that God has prepared. And that's Jeremiah somewhere. I didn't look that up. But, but there's... A, oh, no, it's not Jeremiah. It's one of the other prophets. But there's, there's all along the path for your life, God's prepared everything you need. Amen. And, but it's not always visible. But God wants you to know it by the Holy Spirit. But to follow the Holy Spirit, He's going to lead you in ways that your mind wouldn't go. It doesn't make sense to your mind. But that's where your supply is. Remember John 14, Jesus said, I'll not leave you orphans. I'll send you another comforter. Uh, Our lives look a lot like an orphaned child if we don't follow the Holy Ghost in some of these things. You look at a lot of Christians' lives, they just look like there's nobody taking care of them. But it's not that God's God's unfaithful. It's not that the Spirit's not guiding, that He's not leading. It's that they're not making themselves a student of the Spirit who guides them into these things. Remember 1 John 2, 27? The unction. You have an unction and the anointing teaches you and guides you into all truth. Remember that? Amen. You have the anointing which you've received of Him abides in you. Don't need a man to teach you. That's the same anointing teaches you of all things. All things. All things. He talks about everything. He tells you about anything. He tells you about how to raise your kids. He tells you about how to prosper. Well, I don't know if he'd teach me how to prosper. That sounds real natural. Well, you ought to read your Bible. Isaiah 48, what is it? Verse 17 says, I'm thy redeemer that teaches thee to profit. Teaches you the way to go. Then you go down later, a few verses later, it says, They thirsted not when he led them. See, if you're being led, you'll not be hungry and thirsty. Oh, you might come up to a need, but there'll be a supply there to meet that need. Hallelujah. My goodness, I preached myself happy. So one of the keys is to uh, follow the teacher, follow the guide into all these things. He'll teach you how to do it. A lot of Christians' lives look all orphaned. They look all fatherless. You know what I'm talking about? All covenantless. I don't, I don't know if that's the right word. Coven- they don't have, looks like they don't have a covenant with God. Looks like nobody's taking care of them. They look all forlorn. You know what I'm talking about? No direction looking. Oh, anxious, what am I going to do looking? That looks like an orphan. An orphan is somebody that doesn't have somebody to take care of. You're not left to be an orphan. You've got God, the Holy Spirit, to guide you into where your supply is. Hallelujah. God's got a supply for me. Say it, God's got a supply for me. And it's waiting on me. See, it's waiting on our faith. It's waiting on us to follow the Spirit into it. One last verse, and we'll wrap this up. 1 Peter 2, verse number 10. This is the King James. But uh, another translation brings something out I want you to hear. Remember, uh, this whole passage here in 1 Peter 2 talks about you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Verse 9 talks about it. Talks about who God made us. That we should bring forth the praises of Him, so forth. Look at verse 10. Which in time past, he's talking about us in time past, were not a people, but are now the people of God. Which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. <laughs> How great is your mercy that's stored up. We've obtained that, that wealth. 
Hallelujah. See, really, our wealthy place, remember Wednesday night we talked about our wealthy place? Our wealthy place is our covenant in God that Jesus cut for us. All that we need is right there in that. Well, now notice here, he said, uh, we were in time past, no, not a people, but now we're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a peculiar people. Peculiar means treasure, you know, a treasure, something valuable. Look at your neighbor and say, I thought you were peculiar. Now I know you are. <laughs> well, think about that. We were not a people, but now are a people. Think about it. How, would, how on earth would, in the natural, would somebody from Nigeria that grew up, you know, barefooted. You know what I'm talking about? And a, and a Mennonite kid that grew up in Pennsylvania. How on earth would in the natural two guys like that ever get together? We were not a people, but now we are the people of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's true about all of us. How on earth are you going to get black and white together? They were not a people together, but now we are a people. There is neither male nor female nor black nor white or, you know, there's... Amen. In other words, one translation, and I didn't look up the one, but I, I, I've read it in the past. I have notes on it. One translation says, we were former nobodies, but now we're somebodies. <laughs> Woo! Somebody just walked in the room. My baby's dying. Call for the, for the church to come down and pray. And then, it, well, somebody just walked in the room. Somebody just walked in the room. Praise God. The thing I wanted you to see was, you know, here in the state of Iowa, we have all these, you know, politicians nowadays. They really like Iowa for some reason nowadays. And when they come, there's, uh, they don't just come and show up. A lot of times some people come here ahead of time before they get here. They make arrangements. They, they secure the place to speak and they, and they secure the building. They provide security. They get bomb sniffing. This is a real important person. Bomb sniffing dogs to check out, make sure there's no, you know, booby traps or bombs or something getting ready to go. And they secure the place. And there's a whole team of people, like the president, if he comes in, there's a whole team, of, and rightly so, come in early and secure the place. Snipers on the roof and all kinds of people. Costs money, a lot of, a lot of money for people like that to travel. But, um, but I have no problem spending it. I believe it ought, you know, they ought to be protected. Amen. But here's the point. Why, why is that happening for them? Because some, there's somebody. Somebody's get arrangements made ahead for them. When you're a nobody, there's no preparation when nobody's come. You know what I'm talking about? Well, guess what? You used to be a nobody, but now you're a somebody. So there's preparations. God said, we're going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby. Hallelujah. And whenever, whenever Carlos got born into the kingdom of God, God says, we got a new baby. Now, here's all the stuff we've already prepared for him. All his whole life. All the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the, all the money, everything he needs, all the, all the health and healing. We're going to, somebody's coming. That's who we are. We're somebody's. If this morning a famous movie star would have walked into the service that doesn't know Jesus, a lot of people would have said, somebody came to service this morning. But actually, if they're not saved, there are nobody among somebodies. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> See, God's whole value system and everything like that is totally different than the world's. To you, I mean, to him, you're a somebody. And somebody's get preparations made ahead of time for them. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. That's me. You need to believe all week I'm a somebody. And God's already got my supply arranged for me. If I need an answer to a question, God will bring me somebody that will have my answer to it. Come on. Let's all, let's all just lift our hands and give God thanks because the Word is good. Praise your name, praise your name, praise your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You ever notice famous people, that the world calls somebodies? 
they always have more opportunities than other people? They do? People, I'm thinking of a famous person I know. People, every time they walk in a restaurant, the, the restaurant's trying to buy their meal, you know, and uh, just always, there's always a lot happening for somebody's. Everybody wants to court their favor, you know, everybody wants to, them to invest their money in their investment. Uh, amen, isn't that right? Well, that's you. Amen. Hallelujah. I walked into a church in Canada. Didn't know a soul there. Except the people we were with, traveling with the team. But somebody walked up to me, just handed me some money, said, here, I want to give you this. I'm thinking, who are you? I never met you before in my life. But see, that's not a, that's not a strange thing to me because I know I'm a somebody. Oh, pastor, you're just being arrogant. I didn't say it was because of who I, I know. In the flesh, I know I'm a nobody. You know what I mean? Farm boy from Pennsylvania. Grew up getting manure on my boots. You know what I'm talking about? Men at night with funny hair and funny clothes. <laughs> I'm not a somebody because I'm somebody in the flesh. I don't know of any somebodies in my family tree. Except the God family tree. Remember the Bible says, ye are of God, little children. That's who I am in Christ. In my natural tree, I, I dug into it one time, and all the natural tree in my natural lineage ever produced was fruits, flakes, and nuts. <laughs> so my natural pedigree ain't too hot, but my spiritual pedigree, I am a direct descendant of somebody, somebody. <laughs> Glory! <laughs> Praise be to God. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you, and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.